Cool Scope, a podcast designed to analyze the games that we love, the lines of music, and the movies we can't forget. I'm your host, Wendy Burns. I'm my counterpart, Save by Morris. How's it going, man? I would say the same intro, bro, but I'm good. <laughs> 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 oh, about the T.D. The Jakes thing, but no, I'm good. Well, we have a lot of topics to get into today, as usual. Obviously, got to re- recap the Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence fight, um, some Albert news. And then the last half, we're going to do a review of Oppenheimer. But to start off with Terrence Crawford's, you know, domination of Errol Spence and, you know, if Crawford's the number one fighter right now. Um, this past Saturday night, Terrence Crawford um, scored a nine-round nine uh, TKO in the much-anticipated super fight to capture the undisputed uh, welterweight championship at T-Mobile Arena. And this is this was such a surprising outcome because nobody expected it to be a lopsided win. Um, and Crawford just really was clinical in every in, in every sense of the word. Um, from the from the first round, he was just poised. His jab was just so effective. Like, what are your thoughts on just a surprising, you know, surprising outcome? And not so much the fact that Crawford won, but the way he won it, and just what it means going yeah. forward in a possible possible rematch. Well, going in, I had Errol Spence winning. We talked about this, you know, a couple podcasts ago about these yeah. guys are not trying to be like Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather. They're going to try to take each other heads off round eight or nine. Around yeah, around eight or nine. So we 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 got that prediction. Well, I got that prediction right, but I didn't, didn't expect Errol Spence Jr. not to have a a game plan where he adjusted to what Bud was doing. We know that Errol Spence Jr. is a pressure fighter. We know Bud is a, is a technical. He loves to counter, and he is precise. He was so precise with his punching this fight. The other fights, I thought, okay, yeah, he outboxed everybody. He didn't really fight many people that could adjust as well as Errol Spence Jr., but he showed that he, he had a, a better game plan than Errol. He, had, he, was, he, was, he was better mentally than Errol. And then a lot of yeah. people want to say the factor was the the cutting the weight was was a big factor. Him not being the same after his accident, those things do play a factor. And yes, they're you know they're relevant to to the you know him fighting fighting again. But man, he's I don't think if he was not in a car accident and he didn't cut weight, he would look as good as Bud did. Yeah. Bud just looked better. He just he just looked better. I thought. Before the fight, I thought the you know the moment was too big for Bud. This is the biggest fight he's ever been in his entire life. This is what he was waiting for. You know, sometimes when you get in that moment, you just don't show up. He showed up. He showed up. He, did, he stood in the trenches. Yeah, he showed up. Stayed in the trenches. Didn't didn't run. He stayed there. Counter punch. He just outboxed him. That's it. And then he was attacking. I never I I seen Bud attack in some fights. But this fight, he really attacked from round one to round nine. So, man, Bud looked really, really good. Really, really good. Start counting down. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> nah, you're good, man. Uh, but, but getting to our next topic with um, the, the, just the, the traumatic situation with Bronny, like, it was one of those situations when I heard about it, I was like... Yeah. Like, how? It's just like... There's so many thing, different things that can happen in a team setting, but the fact that he was actually with a group of players and not just um, by himself, like that, that that could have ended a lot worse. And you know, yeah. obviously, he, he's back with his family now. He's been in different activities. What were your, what were just your initial like, just thoughts on you know, traumatic situations happen a lot with athletes, but for it to happen with, I mean, obviously a high profile player like being the son of LeBron James, and now back in. Um, and now back in, in, in good health and good spirits, uh, what, what are your just, you know, your, your thoughts and takeaways from uh, 
from a scary situation, but now he's, you know, obviously good. Right. I mean, I looked at it as from like an 18 year old, 19 year old kid who should be like all time health coming out of high school. And then you have a heart issue. And we've seen a lot here in Pensacola as well. Younger kids, I think one passed away from it and then one couldn't play football. Another had to have heart surgery. So just just seeing that in, in, the, in that younger generation or being a young young athlete, you don't expect that because you're, you're young. You, you still yeah. got your wits about you. You still, your heart should be pumping. But it was it a was surprise when you get that pop of like Bronny James heart. I'm like, what? It was just a scary update. Like just to get yeah. that notification. Yeah. And it was, and then you read on. It was like, oh, was that a basketball practice? So they try to kill him on first. I'm saying, see, oh. <laughs> see, I could never be serious, bro. I could never be serious. But they, no, it's day one. That's yeah. the crazy part about it. I'm like, yo, it's day one. What were they off. doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it just, you know, I know LeBron and and the fan was freaking out like, what, Bronny, what? And I'm sure he he doesn't have the go far. So that's the beauty about it that you know. What if he was at yeah, Ohio State? It, tighten it, high, tighten the situation. Yeah, and he's close. They're closer to home. They have, you know, he's playing. They have a house in LA, so he could just go over there and check on Bronny. I think that was the beauty about it. His parents wasn't too far away to, you know, check on him. But yeah, that was a scary moment for an 18, 19 year old kid thinking the first day of practice, I'm about to show how great I am. I'm about to come in and start and, you know, make an impact. And then I have a, you know, so that's, that's really scary. I know he was. Yeah, I know he was he was freaking out, and I'm glad he's in good spirits. And, and there was also the report about like if anything had happened to Bronny, like in a tragic way, like there are reports that LeBron would have been done, like retired, or like just went away from basketball at least for a year, just to like you know what I mean? Because like he's a family man, LeBron. That's the one thing yeah. to say about LeBron. He, he his family is the number one priority. Any situation he make, mm-hmm. any decision he makes with basketball long term, his family is going to be cued in, and he's going to be thinking he's going to put them at the forefront. Rightfully so. And I think he, he's he's staying to wait for Bronny. Oh, yeah. And if Bronny passed away, obviously, we already know he would have retired. He would have stepped away. He would have never came back. Maybe he would have came back after a couple of years just to get his mind off things and just, you know, get the love of the game back. But, yeah, he would have definitely retired and came probably came back later. But thankfully, Bronny is okay because as a father, yeah, like you said, he's a father first. He's a family man first. So he's jumped, he's dropped everything for his kids. So glad that didn't happen. I'm glad yeah. Bronny's okay. Definitely. Because, mm, mm, I don't That's think heavy. he would have, yeah, that would have been, mm, that would have been a, That's a too much blow. to overcome. Yeah. Because uh, he's named after his father. So, I mean. Literally. That's, the legacy yeah. continues with him. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, crazy. Definitely. Um, and I'll get into our next topic with thoughts on, you know, Jalen Brown having the richest contract in NBA history. Uh, last week, Brown signed a, a, a story. <laughs> Why? <laughs> no. Your reaction right there. Savon has the perfect reaction. <laughs> but but he signed an historic five-year, 304 million Supermax contract extension. And this instantly became the most lucrative contract in NBA history to, to date. And this has you know, obviously sparked a certain amount of uh, criticism from analysts and fans. <laughs> Tracy McGrady was like, this is this is what happens. Give it to anybody. <laughs> He's like, I wish I was in this era. <laughs> I could I could have benefited from this. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Um but, but what were your what were your thoughts on this? Cause this was a surprising I mean, we know that the play like we saw with Fred and Fred Van Fleet, he got a lucrative contract. Um 
uh, several weeks ago. Yes. And mm. a lot of players are starting to, to, to just get those types of deals and, and, and extensive contracts. Yeah. Like, what did you think about? It? And also, um, we mention this all the time. Jalen Brown has to be that guy, that, that guy to step up for Boston to go to that next level. Yeah. Uh, what do you also mm-hmm. think about what his progression has to look like? You just got the biggest contract ever in NBA history. (laughs) Not even Steph Curry has that. KD, LeBron James, Damian Lillard. You know they were looking at their phone like, wait, Brown gets this? Wait, (laughs) what? JB? (laughs) (laughs) Are we, is it a new kid? Like, is that the same kid from the Celtics? Who didn't show up when they need him the most mm. in the postseason? Hey. And you give him the max contract, the biggest contract in NBA history. I don't, I didn't understand it. Like I really didn't understand. I, I, I tried to look at it as a longevity standpoint, because he's still technically still a young, young NBA star. And, and I think he has that potential he has not tapped into yet fully. Him and uh Jason Tatum. So I think they're looking at it as the longevity standpoint. Okay, we have these guys for X amount of years and they're going to get into, they're going to tap into that potential and then we're going to be, we're going to be fine. We're fine now. Oh, but yeah. my, my, this, the scariest thing about that is they don't reach that. They've been to, they've been almost to the top of the hill so many times. And I don't think how the game is, is steady going. I don't think they're going to get on top of that mountain. Unless it's, some of these guys start retiring. That, exactly. I mean, it's just like, can you really get to that point unless we see a transition period? Because that's usually that's usually when we see a difference happen, when that transition period takes place. And certain, like you said, certain guys go away, but it's going to be a wait and see. It's They're not, not going away. Be thing. It's not going to be an instant thing. <laughs> those guys are not. Those guys his ain't career. Since, they're, they're not leaving no time soon. And his career has not justified him getting that big of a contract. Yeah. I it doesn't justify it. He doesn't I see if he's averaging 26, 27 points a game, nine, nine rebounds, eight assists, blah, 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 like LeBron James numbers. So they really, really must like Jalen Brown. Because we were talking about how they can use Jalen Brown to get Damian Lillard, who deserves that type of contract. It's supposed to be he's a chess piece. He's deserving. Supposed to be yeah, a chess piece. Supposed really. to be a chess piece. Yeah. But instead of using the chess piece, it was like, you know what? Let's, let's cash in. <laughs> Forget it. Let's go Jay all Lynn. in. We Come believe on, you, brother. <laughs> we believe, Jalen. That's it's insane, bro. Everybody's getting a contract. This is, and I hate to use this overused phrase. You get a contract, you get a contract, but it's so fitting. This is so fitting. Friend if we got a crazy contract. Uh Guy with the doo-doo braids, got the crazy contract. He's with the same team. Came from Memphis. Barnes? Uh, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah, Bro. he got a big contract. Everybody's getting a big contract who doesn't deserve it. We yeah. talked about Fran Van Fleet. has on. He's on a decline, and Houston gave him that crazy contract. So, like t- Hit Tracy a decline, McGrady get said. Paid. Hit a decline, get yeah. paid. <laughs> Don't show up when they matter the most. You know what? You're, You're our guy. You were sick that day. You were sick that day. We know you can do better. Here's some money. So it's the, how the game is changing. It's, it's I don't insane. like where it's going. Yeah, I don't like where it's Goodness, going. Man. I think um, 
Austin Rivers said something about this on a podcast. podcast. Yeah. And a lot of people thought he was crazy, but he's he's he's, he's 100% dead right. He's dead on. Dead on, spot on. Yeah. They're giving contracts to people who don't deserve them, who is not averaging the numbers or the points or impacting the game as people like Steph Curry who deserve it. Clay Thompson, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Devin Booker. Yeah. These guys it, who deserve those guys, you're in, you're out. Yes. Jamal Murray, Jokic, those guys who deserve those big max contracts. This is insane to give Jalen Brown the biggest contract in NBA history, Willis. He just made history and didn't do nothing. And didn't do anything in a game seven at home. <laughs> so you see, you used to get like deductions for that in the old day in the eighties. Like, oh, you didn't show up in a game seven at home. Nah, you getting a big. Ooh. Yo, that's insane, bro. <laughs> Yep. But these are the times well, of the NBA, man. These are the times. Of- <laughs> these are the days we're living. <laughs> Days of our life. <laughs> 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 um, and now transitioning to, to the NFL with, with um, Jonathan Taylor we're requesting a trade after meeting with Jim Hurst or Ursay. Uh, Taylor entering his fourth season um, had wanted a lucrative extension. And it's also become become clear that, you know, it's not going to be happening anytime soon as, as Jim Ursay has been vocal and, and pushing it back against any running backs within position. Um, I mean, you know this firsthand, your brother Alfred, like with, with players running backs getting underpaid, not being valued. It's just something that's, that we've seen a history of. Like, what did you think about this? And also, it's just one of those things where to me, it's not new. It's 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 not anything crazy. Like it, it's it's become uh, an unfortunate normal that, that running backs yeah. really are this devalued. So they running backs have been devalued since the air raid, since quarterbacks – the, the the game the the playbook has changed they throw i think 60 75% more than they run the football and i think running backs are valued they bring a different element to the ball game especially when you're going against a great defense or it just oh, yeah. makes things get better running game. Yeah. running game has to work then you open up the play action then you get you know bring the safety down to the box that you got one on one on 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 each side so it's a lot of things running back does but Owners and general managers, they have the upper hand because it's so many running backs that's filtered in the NFL who wants the opportunity. There's no, there's not the days when you had Andrew James or Marshall Falk, all these guys who solidify for years and they were a, a household name. There's no household Stable. name running backs anymore. Yeah. The last one was Ezekiel. He got the last big contract, right? So how, how it, his decline was faster than any other running oh back I've goodness. seen. It happened so quick. It happened so, so quick. quick. When he got that contract, it just it went down. So now all NFL owners and general managers are seeing that, like, if we pay that that, I think their cap space went down because they they paid Ezekiel Elliott that much money. Then they have to pay figure out how to pay Dak. Yeah. And then, then now they're going with Martin uh, Zach Martin, who I think who deserves the, another he contract. Does. Yeah, yeah, but. Anywho, but we, we're we're talking about running back. Yeah, so the running back situation is is strange because there's so many other running backs from college. There's how many teams in, in college football, how many free agents. They have the upper hand. So if you don't want to play, that's fine. We, we yeah. could trade you. We could get some for you. But there's going to be another rookie running back who's hungrier, who wants to make the team, 
who will do anything to make the team. And he's probably going to be probably better than you or as good as you. Oh yeah, for sure. Always going to be so another guy out there. Yeah. And that, and that's the, that's, that's the sad part. That's the sad part. See, offensive line was devalued for a while. Then their value went up after that hit, obviously with uh, Taylor. Yeah. And then now running backs are declining. Left tackle, right tackle, centers are going up. So the game is changing where the value is. And then the running backs are, are are falling by the wayside, which is sad because, like we said, running backs are very vital to an offense. You're not going to be a winning Super Bowl team without a running back. Who could do? Look at Jeremy McKinnon. Jeremy McKinnon did everything for the Chiefs. Block out, run out of the backfield, was used as a wide receiver, was really good in the running game. I mean, the list goes on. You need a prominent running back to sustain your offense. Mm -hmm. Bread and butter. Bread and butter. Bread and butter. Definitely. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. Now we're getting the second half of our topics, and we're joined by a special guest, Maurice Hendricks. He's been on countless times in the past. A good friend of the show, not, not even a guest, just a part of a part of the Full Scope family <laughs> for years. But uh, thank you so much for being back on, bro. What's up? What's up? How we doing today? Doing good, man. Um, and and to start off with our first album review with, with uh, Travis Scott's uh, Utopia, um, and his highly new, new anticipated album. This was you know really a musical experience from start to finish. It had a um, a visionary blend of genres and cutting edge production. Um, and the the sounds were very similar to. Yeezus, as many people have said, had had very like a very strong Kanye influence, and this is an album where I really feel as though it's one of his most creative, if not his, if not probably his best creative album. I'm not saying that that is his, his top one, but I really feel as though he's really meandering from different different sounds um, and really kind of trying to capture um, a, a different type of musical uh, and just soundscape experience. But to you, Maurice, like, what did you think about this album and just you know how it sounded overall and some of like the, the high parts of it? yeah dude i feel like i don't know man i i feel like it definitely took me a while to like appreciate the project for what it is um especially the first listen i was like mm-hmm. it sounds a lot like yeezus you know what i'm yeah. saying um a lot like a kanye album but it felt like less than a kanye album because it's travis sky right so like um i feel like overall though i really enjoyed the project over over time after listening to it a couple times um and it grew on me a lot it grew on me a lot um but i think i i see the vision of what he's trying to do and like i will say like like i feel like travis always is going to deliver you a unique experience when listening to an album yeah. um in my opinion i feel like he's just not the best rapper all the time you know so i feel like That's, that was a disconnect with and that was with, another uh, thing i was going to mention that was another thing i was going to mention like a lot of times the production is so good but mm-hmm. um, just isn't there. Like it's almost like if you had a different rapper to match that production, it would almost sound like an A-level type album. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, what what were in, in terms of like? Do you feel as though the Kanye influence was too strong on it? Because like there were songs like maybe like songs like Circus Maximus, even um, God's Country. I think God's Country and um, Telekinesis was supposed to originally be on Donda. Like those were Donda mm-hmm. leftovers. Then. Um, Travis used them for this project. Like, do you think was the Kanye influence too strong on it, or do you think it was one of those things where you could notice it, but it was just like, okay, he's just using this from kind of one of his idols to replicate for this project? You know, one of the interesting things is I was watching like I think the Joe Budden podcast. They were talking about how it's actually not even that uh, 
Travis sounds like Kanye. It's like Kanye sounds like Travis. Travis, okay. Well, maybe the influence of Yeezus was Travis. I, I don't know. I got. I would have to like do some more digging to like verify. But like at least from their perspective, from the OG perspective, they they think it seemed to be the opposite, where they're like, yeah, like it's Travis influencing Kanye, not Kanye influencing Travis. Um, but I don't know. I feel like to me, like a lot of the songs in this project do sound like something that belonged to Jesus. And then like, uh, yeah, like you mentioned a couple of them, uh, like some, some Donda leftovers. So, um, but then it just kind of goes back to, it's not quite Kanye, but I think like Travis Scott did like a good interpretation of Except for Circus Maximus, because that was like a clear cut. Like, oh yeah, he you know, was just, like, that was a replica. Yeah. <laughs> and I like that song, but I'm like, he was just going like way yeah. too hard with the Yeezus. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Um, to, to you, Savon, what were your initial initial thoughts on this and, and your overall takeaways? It was Travis Scott. I tell you that. It's just I'm not a fan of Travis Scott, really, man. Um. And it's it's a lack of bars, lack of consistency, and the cadence is more so like a airy like. But even with with Kanye, you get some bars, you get some some lyricism. It's just not a consistent one song. He'll give you like crazy bars with Travis Scott. He'll he'll like give you some content, and then the Uxom he just be screaming, yeah, like it's just. It's just <laughs> It's lit. You know, <laughs> it's not the vibe. You know, like, bro, <laughs> this is like something if you're on like, be, like just some drug or something, you just had like a, a concert just going crazy. You want to hear this. It's just like, no, I'm not, I, I'm actually a hip hop connoisseur. Even with these type of this style of rap, you still got to have some content there. You still have some, some bars, some lyricism there. Uh, so, I mean, the production was crazy. Don't get me wrong. The production is <laughs> always crazy. It was a match. Yeah. <laughs> This is the best produced album of the year. I think this is the best yeah. album of the year, easily. Yeah, oh, not even sure. close. Not even close. Yeah, I don't know. See, I don't know what. How much money did he pay for this album? That's what I want to know. Because producing would had to be crazy, bro. Mike he's Dean, like what? Mike Dean was going insane. Yeah, dude. Had Mike yeah, Dean, bro. I mean, man. yes. Wild. Yeah. I mean, apparently he had a hand in all the production as well. So, but I think, I think it was more so like he was like curating the sound versus like actually like producing. You know. Like to you, Maurice. Like, do you think like if the you know obviously like the Astral situation in that tour that really like pushed back things and, and with that tragedy? Like, do you think if this was put out last year, like how different do you think this album would have sounded? Because I do think there were a lot of updates to this project. You know, that's the interesting thing. I actually think like if this project came out a year or two ago, it would have hit a lot better in my opinion because it's it's almost like so unexpected, right? Um, the fact that like we're dwelling on, on, you know, he hasn't released in like what is it four or five years now? Five years. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, like I think like there's more pressure on this project to deliver, mm-hmm. and the fact that it does sound so much like a, like a Kanye album, it it's kind of like surprising to, um, people that thought we're expecting like Astro World two for example, you know, um. But I think it actually like kind of benefits him to kind of do something different than what we expect because now, now we have people talking about it. Now we're like, now we're like, I think it's good that we didn't get Asteroid Two, you know, because if we got Asteroid Two, it's a continuation. Know, yeah, there probably would have been a lot less uh, reception for the album. But a lot of people like the fact that it's just so different than what we expected. Um, even if it does sound like 
Kanye influence album, you know, I, I still think people are like receiving it really well. So, yeah, definitely. Um, were there any like, cause, cause I feel like for me, like tracks like telekinesis, um, I know also, uh, thank God, I think those were like some of the, the highlights, obviously like meltdown that was going to get all the, all the attention in, in the world with Drake and Travis uh, collabing again. Like, were there any like standout tracks or standout features that, 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 that you kind of felt as though were the most memorable ones? Yeah, definitely for me, I think my favorite song on the album is My Eyes. I think like that is probably oh, the best Frank Ocean the best type. track. Yeah, yeah. bro. Yeah, it's literally, bro. <laughs> I was like, bro, if Frank Ocean was on that first part, that, that would have been amazing. I don't I think anybody's gonna get that man out of retirement though, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but so I think I think my eyes, like if we got an album for those, man, oh man, we would be having yeah. a totally different conversation right now, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I think I, I don't know. I, I don't really see like the hype behind Nelta. I'm not gonna lie. Like, I, I don't know. To me, like the Drake verse is just like, all right. Like maybe I'm just yeah. hating or something. I don't know. Nah, like, you're you're spot on, brother. Yeah, yeah. Drake slipping, man. Yeah, he is. He is. I I, I agree. Uh, but Schizo with Young Thug, Paracel is really good. And then I really like Telekinesis with uh um, Future and Scissors. So yeah. Um, yeah. I I think those are my standout tracks for the for the album. Any any standout tracks for you, Savon, or just O of nineteen? Is it just O? All of them were amazing. He probably liked the K-pop, <laughs> the, the Bad Bunny weekends. <laughs> oh, it's my jam oh, right here. Man. It's my jam right here. Wow, Wellington. I'll let you get that one off. That's cool, brother. That's, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> Um, yeah, that song that, did not belong in the album. I don't that's know what, what I was saying. Gosh. What was that? Why was that on the album? I, I think out of all the songs, that one felt most in places. All the songs had like more of a dark feel, but that one was just like yeah. a loose, like pop radio type song. That's why yeah. you put it at the end. Yeah, yeah. it's just because it's Bad Bunny, dude. That's it. He knew he was going to do that Bad Bunny. Yeah, gotta yeah. Um, and now getting to our next review with uh, Post Malone's Austin. Um, in this new project, Post Malone turns um his sound into kind of a synth pop and um. 80s inflected style so uh, so many of the songs are you know are, are kind of catching it does have a commercial feel to it um and, and some of the songs start with an acoustics strumming and delves into hooks and candy production and this was an interesting project to me because you know he's kind of went into a different a different type sound because you know the, at some points in his career he tried to be hip-hop now it's like more of like a pop feel and mm -hmm. he's just kind of like delving into he's a really creative artist like i think the songs on here they, they you can kind of you can kind of put them on any like top 40 a <laughs> type track and, and like it's going to work with it like what did you think about this album Maurice and just like the difference that he's going to with this sound yeah I feel like he's totally pivoted into this kind of new sound that he's this like um kind of like post sunflower uh style track you know I think like I don't know some, to me it's still kind of uh, it, it sounds like country music in my opinion like but like pop country I guess uh, so I wasn't that big of a fan of the album, to be honest. Um, I don't think I'll go back to listen to any of these tracks, but I think like for his audience that listened to him for like this kind of music, I think they're going to like love this album. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but I think like, yeah, I think like all his, if he had like hip hop fans, I think like this album probably won't attract any of, yeah, no. of those. Yeah. People will probably be like surprised, I guess. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of like my general overview. Like I listened, it was not my style of music that I listened to, but I, I won't say it was like bad, you know? Like I feel like it has its place in the audience. So 
Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, to you, Savon, what were your thoughts on it? Because obviously last year he put out an album. There, there were some different from different high points that that we kind of liked in the project. But what did you think about this one? Like Maurice was saying, it's a complete pivot from what we're used to yeah. seeing from him, and it seems like he's going to a different direction for his fan base. It was dark, man. First, I'm like telling the, you, don't the, understand. The lyricism so is like, dark. There's some dark lyricism whoa. on there. Yeah. Hey, hey, I'm brother. too cool to die. I was like, whoa. Is that demonic? <laughs> what is going on here? Like. <laughs> the first couple of songs you got to get through. And then I like Chemical. Yes. Uh, the first two songs were like really dark and then Chemical mm. kind of like lighting up a little bit. And then Morning was, I like, I will say about this, his songwriting and then his collaboration of songwriting has strengthened over the years. I think yeah. that's the biggest takeaway. Because yes. it does sound like country mixed with like folky, yeah. folk, mm. whatever. Mm. Yeah. So it's a mixture of both. I like, I don't like country. Don't like country music. I don't care. I can't get with country music. It's making just, that clear. Making that, making that clear. Making it clear. I like two country songs. Country girl shaking for me. <laughs> <laughs> I knew he was about to say something wild, outlandish. <laughs> bro, when I was at Birmingham Southern, which is predominantly white, bro, that's they listened to country music. That was that. only two. It was two songs I cling to. But mm-hmm. but it's three songs that I say. Green Thumb I thought was such a a dope song lyrically, and that re- I really attached because it was a, like a, a play on words. It was it was different. Green Thumb, but um, I think his 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 songwriting and his collaboration songwriting got better on this album. But like you said, I won't really. It's only three songs I'll go back and listen to, but mm. they didn't get saved. And, and, and like. That it is an interesting thing, like to, to me, Maurice. Like when an artist, like who that's such big of it, like him dropping on the same day as Travis, because there were a lot of like reason he was supposed to drop this past Friday. Um, I mean, last Friday, but pushed back because of Travis. But Post Malone, like, still put his album out. No, he knows what his fan base is now. He's not doesn't have mm-hmm. the same fan base as Travis. As like, do you think it's one of those things where Post Malone kind of just knows where his career is progressing into and what direction he wants to take things into now? Yeah, because I think like I mean when you talk about like uh like appropriation, right, of, of the culture, right? And you take a look at like Post Malone's first album, his his previous work, I feel like he always like attached to the idea without fully committing, like in terms of like committing to hip hop culture. Yeah. Um so, so he always like kind of like borrowed the ideas and like yeah. kind of like leashed, latched onto that kind of direction that people were pulling in him into after like white Iverson. so he's really just getting it back to like what he used to do probably like when he first started making music which is like what he's really wanted to do this whole time and i think he's like successfully kind of like navigated to that kind of uh to this kind of like music style making and 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 he has like the audience to where they'll like stay and like uh like they'll like they were like here the whole time basically so like um, I think, yeah, I think he pivoted pretty well, like, and this album just kind of is, like, the indicator that I, I probably won't make, like, a hip-hop style album. I'll probably just keep doing this. And this was kind of, like, the first album in that direction that's, like, straight up just no hip-hop at all. Yeah, definitely. Um, and now getting to our next review with uh, Nas's uh, uh, Magic 2. Um, this album, which was, like, you know, another short one, but had impressive loops and high-quality rap as usual with Nas. Um, Includes features from rap legends and embraces the, the younger generations. Um, Hit Boy does what he do, does best, crafting instrumentals that make Nas um, sound comfortable. And 
and challenges close. And, and it's it's really crazy just the type of run Nas is on because I'm I'm trying to think back to rappers at his age that have been able to do this and you really can't find many that have been able to con- to sustain this this type of level that he's on. Like, so you, Maurice, like, what were your thoughts on this? Because I don't think many people expected another Nas and Hitboy project this year, but kind of comes unexpected. And I mean, Nas just on a different level lyrically. Like he's like he said, he's in his <laughs> on his third pri- in his third prime. Like he's just continuing to go on. Like it's kind of crazy the run that he that he's been on. Yeah, dude, I I definitely agree. Uh, this album was uh, very good. Like a lot of the tracks, just solid lyricism. Uh, solid production, you know what I'm saying? I can't complain too much. I feel like um, him at this age and him just like this late in his career, still being able to deliver, yeah. you know, that weight this whole time just kind of proves like why he's like one of the greats, you know what I'm saying? And that's really all he's doing now is just kind of like reminding us like, hey, I still got it. Don't forget, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, I don't know if he's like as relevant as like a lot of the other big artists, but I think he has his place in hip hop still. Um, and he continues to kind of prove like why that's the case with with projects like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you say, Von, what were your t- thoughts on it? Because like you know, all the Nas and Hit Boy projects that we reviewed, we've really been big fans of, and we love the fact that he's kind of staying on this type of run. Uh, what did you take away from it, and just your overall thoughts on on you know what he's continuing to do at this stage of his career? Yeah, Nas has to be like the best lyrical lyrical guy out there who's ever grabbed a microphone. I think I, I saw uh, a podcast where Kyrus One was on there and Chris Kyrus One is man, that dude's so fire. He said Nas is, is that guy. Mm-hmm. Nas is over him. So just for him, Kyrus One to say that, it just it just sets it up for Nas to be I feel like Nas is the GOAT. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. Illmatic is still one of the best albums that ever was put out, and for him to be continue to do this after over probably three decades, I'm gonna say three decades. He's about sixty one. People just don't know that yet. But <laughs> yeah, the song that surprised me, <laughs> no, he do be lying about his age, bro. Yeah, yeah. You was around um, in the eighties, I think. With uh, it was a, a lady rapper, uh, Roseanne, not Roseanne, Roxanne. Roxanne. Mm, they mm. they grew up in the same neighborhood and Roxanne was like 15, 16s. You know, rapping. Yeah. Sleep. And he was a <laughs> j- he was like 10. So you gotta be about 71. I don't know. My gonna be all, 80 but... rapping over Alchemist. <laughs> I'm saying, bro. I'm <laughs> saying, Alchemist bro. Going another... <laughs> we might get our first 80-year-old still rapping, bro. That would be so dope now I still rapping at 80. It sounds effortless. I'm not gonna lie though. It's not yes. effortless, bro. I'm gonna say this, Jay-Z. Jay-Z, you got to drop another album. Nas keeps doing this. Nah, drop I'm tired, Jay-Z. Jay-Z. Nah, man. Jay's, Jay's still my, Jay's still my <clears> go. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired of Jay-Z. Jay-Z, uh, he's a prima donna, man. Jay-Z is Jay-Z. But the one song that surprised me, we we're talking about a 21 Savage uh, feature. Mm-hmm. Actually, he didn't, he didn't do bad. I don't even know. He didn't do bad on this show. He did pretty... <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes that's all you need, bro. That's all you need. Yeah, turn on, turn on. Slaughter game. <laughs> yeah. Well, that would surprise me. The Best 50 feature. Cent feature didn't do what I wanted to do. Only got eight bars. Yeah, only eight bars, and I want him to be on the hook because 50 Cent is one of the best hook makers 
in the game still to this mm-hmm. day. That boy get on the hook and just kill it. So I was mm-hmm. thinking like get him on the hook and then him doing at least like sixteen. But he talked most of the time. Like, yes. Rick, we should go what out. We, do? <laughs> we, <gonna> do? <laughs> we got money. <laughs> <laughs> but nah, yeah, this is it. This is a solid album. Eleven songs, precise. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, he's still doing that at uh, a late age. It's interesting because because some people are starting. He's made, he's putting out so much music that they're starting to compare this to the other Magic Project, King's Disease. Like to you, re, to, to, to you, Maurice, like what what is like your favorite or like one of your top favorite projects? That because like, for me, like Magic and King's Disease two would probably be my top ones from the that albums that they put out. Like what are your what's like your yeah. favorite Nas and Hit Boy project recently uh, that they that they put out in the last few years? I was say I really like King's Disease too. Like I still yeah. go back and listen to some of those songs. Um, yeah, that one was just kind of just like, like wow, like it's it, it just kind of like it's just so cool to kind of see him like still in his bag, like, like it, it's kind of it goes back to like the whole like even though he's not like the same Nas as he was back then in terms of like uh, visibility, I guess amongst the the game. It's like he's still out here just delivering, and there's like a niche audience that will like listen to that still, and all the OGs gonna listen, you know. Obviously, all the, all the, all the, he's like an artist, artist at this point, right? So yeah. like, um, yeah. So that that um, I still go back and listen to King Z too. So that's it's an amazing project. Definitely. Is there a particular favorite one for you, Savon? Yeah, King Disease. Like, bro, you don't go away from that. That was such a full project, and I think if Nas did a versus. His his stock with the younger generation went we'll up like up. Jadakiss did. Yeah. And I think that's what kept Jadakiss relevant. And now he somehow he had features, all this stuff, but I don't think you can get anybody with Nas, not even Jay-Z. I don't think we want to see that because then it's gonna be Ether. <laughs> <laughs> Jay-Z catalog like, got nothing no uh Nas, man. That's like a Drake and Pusha T versus like two years from now. <laughs> bro, that would be so stupid, bro. Oh, It'll man. be over after the first song, bro. <laughs> you don't have Drake yet. <laughs> no, you don't, bro. You not like that, bro. You really not like that. You are not that guy. <laughs> You're not that guy, pal. You're not that guy. No. <laughs> um, and now we're getting into our next review with, with ASAP Rocky and Pharrell's at Riot. Um, and this new single, you know, this production from Pharrell had a lot of energy behind it and um some mm. unique uh, um cadences. Uh, there's also unique horn and synth sounds throughout the track. That allow Rocky to entertain with an upbeat flow. Um, to you, Maurice, like, what were your thoughts on this single? And just like, you know, he, he has been having the um, build up to his new album, uh, expected to be coming out um, either this month or next month. Like, what do you think about this this single? And just kind of like, what do you, the, what the, the direction he's going to be taking into his new album? Yeah, actually, uh, I actually really like this song, and I think it does kind of build hype for the album. I think he had dropped another song before this. I forgot what it's called. Um, but it almost is like two separate directions for like, like um kind of the style of music that he's bringing on this next project. So I'm kind of I'm kind of excited to see like how they all fit in together. Um, because like I feel like this track is more similar to stuff he's put out in the past versus the last track that he put out was more like experimental and like new newer. style. Yeah. Same you know? problems, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm pretty excited for this new project. I thought he was supposed to release uh earlier, but um yeah, I've been waiting on that ASAP project. I'm excited to see what he has next. So definitely. Uh, to, to you, Savon, what were your takeaways from this single? I mean, 
new album coming out really soon. Like like Marie said, this this song feels more more of the the old style of what he's into. The last single was more newer. Like like what do you expect from this new album and your takeaways from this single? No, I, I agree with Maurice. Like this definitely sounds like old ASAP. Yeah. Back in the day, you know, not back in the day. He's not that dang old. <laughs> <laughs> Prior <laughs> to him dating my baby mama, ex baby yeah, mama. Yeah. <laughs> uh, prior to that, but no, nah, this definitely sounds like old ASAP. You can tell he's having fun. He's back in music. He's focused. It seems like he's he's wanting this album to be. I love same problems. How many problems? It's like a different type of. I think. Yeah, I'm excited about this album because that track, and then you get this up tempo. You know, nice banger has a little airy in it, and he still yeah. got some bars. I think ASAP Rock is an underrated rapper. Because yeah, man, and it's that cadence too. His cadence is really dope. It stands out. It stands stands out, out, bro. Dang, ponytail wearing brother, just right there, (laughs) radical flodo, man. But now I'm I'm eager to to listen to this out. This new album coming out. Yeah, for sure. How many baby mama bars you think he got on there? About five. About five. Because when he was with Nigo, he said something about that. (laughs) My baby mama, or uh, some of my girl, ex girl, some, some like ex, yeah. But I think yeah. about five. About five. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be, it's gonna be mentioned. You already know it's gonna be, yeah, it's gonna be yeah. brought up. I mean, it's a flex, bro. It's a flex. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's Rihanna, man. <laughs> Come on, you got Whole head and all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but next next Friday though, Reason is dropping his album, um, and that's something we've been I'm looking excited. forward to, obviously. Um, there, I, I was Gorgeous Smith. She dropped a new single. Um, yeah, I know. I know, Reese. You're a fan of what Yachty's been putting out. Lil Yachty's been putting out recently. I feel like he, he's he's been really really creative. Like, Ooh, to, yes. to, <laughs> you got to stop hating, man. You got to stop. Hating. Bro, bro, you don't see what Yachty's doing, bro. Yachty's Yachty is doing right something. Man. I'm not Yachty's gonna lie, bro. Man. Yachty's killing. He's been yeah, dude. Bro, first of all, this thing was out last night. Yeah, first of all, this man. I don't know how he's all like buddy buddy with Drake, but like that's a whole thing, right? You know, they had like that summer her mood. Loss. Yeah, yeah. And then he had all the, produ- yeah, he had production credits on her loss. Um, he has a lot of production credits behind the scene. And then his, la- but I don't even know, I don't I don't know if y'all reviewed the last Yachty album, but that album Big fan of is dope, fan yes. And then Sit I love it. how he kind of just w- <laughs> went straight back to his roots of like hip hop. Like he tried something new, it worked, and but he's still going to deliver like, what makes yada yada which is like this this like the production style that he had like on her loss he kind of brought that into these new tracks that he dropped last night um but yeah he's killing it right now i think he he's i don't know he had like such a big comeback from like how he kind of like fell off um and then now he's like back on the it's been his year the rise so yeah, it's Drake, bro. You know, you do a you know that Draco sign, yeah. It's different for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna lie, yeah. it's gonna take you off. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna yeah. have to listen to it. It's it's slide, right? These three slides, solo yeah. step in, strike. Yeah, okay. I'm gonna have to listen to it to see if he. I like some of Yachty's songs, especially when he's like rapping, rapping. Yeah, yeah, he can rap, man. Don't get me wrong, he can rap. Yeah, that's what I'm okay, saying, okay, bro. Okay, okay, yeah. I'm not, don't get me wrong, Lil Yachty can rap. It's just that, oh, yeah. like, I used to hate that crap, bro. I used to hate it. Turn oh, right <laughs> but now when he man. actually raps, he's, he's, he's fire. He's, yeah. Yachty's fire when he actually raps. But yeah, because yeah, obviously, because as, as we mentioned earlier, Maurice, like, do you, what do you expect? 
um, from this reason album next Friday? And also, are there any other upcoming albums that you think could, could be intriguing, you know, down the road? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty excited for this reason uh, album. I think that he he did drop a single, right? Or something. Oh, yeah. He, he was supposed to drop the album. album. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty excited. I thought it was going to drop, but he probably pushed it back because of the Travis, Travis Scott stuff yeah. as well. Um, Smart move. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, let's see. I don't know. Who else is dropping? Oh, Drake is supposed to be dropping in two weeks after the the Travis Scott album. So, for all the dogs, if that still comes out. Um, you think he's going to wait till like, after tour, though? Like, I, would it be really... I think, yeah. I think it'd be is bad. he really going to drop during tour? I don't he know, could, man. He, said, he, he could said do in it. two weeks. He could he do it, weeks. but I don't know. What is his last tour date? Anybody know? October 9th. Uh, it's got to be like late, late August, right? His last oh, one is October. That's oh, perfect. Oh, October, right around 9th. his birthday? Yeah, that's probably, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. Why like, would you say it's dropping in two weeks? I, I don't know. It's, he's either doing the biggest cap or he's just trying to promote this long term. It, it, it's coming out with these dog man, so get out of here, bro. Yeah, I'm going to say, bro, with him coming out with the dog mask and then just like being around the Travis like energy all the time. He's been I, dropping I a lot. Of, he's been on a lot of features too. He's been on a lot of features. Yeah, did their off the radar yeah. freestyle. So he's been. Then he had the the Bobby interview Bobby that interview. went out yeah. too. Like I, I no! think I think he <laughs> I think he's coming with the bad thing. Bobby. I think he's coming with with the. Uh, I think Old he's drink. coming with something though. Old drink, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like it sounds like it's gonna be on some layer. More her her lost stuff, not like the the. Um, what would you prefer? What would you because you've been critical? You were crit. You you've been critical of some yeah. of this recent work. What what is what does Maurice want from this next? <laughs> what do the dogs want, man? Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the dogs, <laughs> bro. It's, I just want him to try again. Like I feel like that's the biggest flaw with Drake right now. Is like he feels like he doesn't have to try, which honestly he doesn't because people are still gonna listen either way. Yeah, but I feel like creatively, I want to see something. It's hard though because I we think got he that did was honestly try. never mind. But we got. I'm gonna say yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, he came with some unexpected stuff. Yeah, and I thought it was a solid project. You know, it might not be the best in that genre in terms of like him doing house because it's still Drake doing house. But he did try something new. You know, number two. But like he he's not gonna he's not going going to ever give us like. A full. This honestly probably is going to be like a her loss too. I'm, I'm not he gonna lie to you. He needs to, bro. You know? If you're Wait, dropping, you wanted music... to be a her loss too. You wanted to be like a, a continuation. I don't think it's going to be a continuation of her loss. If if that's her no. loss, it's, it's that's can anybody hear me? He said, "Go ahead." Yeah, yeah, we can. Yeah. Oh, just making sure because it was like staticky, and I was just like, oh, okay. Oh, okay, go ahead. No, 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 y'all good. Yo, I was just making sure you could hear me. I didn't want to just text you. But I, I was just saying if it's. Her loss, that's not old Drake. I mean, he would be more of an yeah, rapping no. back, but I think like it's gonna be a mix of the R and B melodic from his earlier projects and because because like it, it, in his earlier projects, like Take Care, Thank Me Later, it was melodic mixed with rapping as well. But it was more, we're not getting more that, right, you know, so we're not getting that because he's not going right. through anything, bro. That's what I'm saying. He's exactly. not mad yeah, exactly. at nobody. It's, he's not in love no more. I'm telling yeah, you, yeah, he, he's not he's gonna, we're not gonna get that, bro. Nah, we might get some, beef with, yeah, we might get some shots. I don't know because Meltdown apparently he took you know, a lot of shots, shots at Pharrell and pushed, yeah, he hasn't let that go, yeah, he hasn't let that yeah. go, yeah. So we might get some, we might get some smoke, a little bit of smoke, but 
Uh, I, I, yeah, we're, we're not, not gonna get Jada Part Two. We're not gonna get Jada Part Two. No, we're, we're not gonna get none of that, bro. But if you're gonna drop consistently like this, like you gotta like try, bro. Because if yeah. you're gonna do the Jay Z thing, like drop or do something every now and again, but you're dropping consistently. Yeah, like two so albums a year. That, that yeah. deal with Universal, yeah. that 500 deal with Universal. So I think he's having to drop a lot more frequently than. Yeah. Oh, it is right. That's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Mega contract. Like, you got to put out albums every year. <laughs> <laughs> and he's putting out crap Wild albums. Like <laughs> I've not liked any of the albums he's dropped. Man, it's tough. It's tough. tough. I just, I just feel like the. <sighs> Not saying that the Drake era is over, but like, there's just so many other talented Who's challenging artists him, out though? there. Who's what's, yeah. the, what's the next era? Like, we gotta find a next era. We gotta you gotta replace them if, you, if you're gonna yeah. take them out. Right. I think that's if, the key, right? Is if we Kendrick can't find baby, a big oh. replacement. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Because if Kendrick and Baby Keem is what's challenging him, I don't think so. Drake is that, laughing at that. The hill hill did you like, like that track, bro, Maurice? Did you like that track? <laughs> I saw <laughs> I saw the vision behind what they're doing. I feel like Kendrick's and Keem's his their style together complements each other. And I, I think I see what they're doing with that track. I thought it was kind of funny. I thought it was dope. I didn't I don't know if I'm listening to it over and over again. The but video you know what's funny is that Yeah, but like the funny thing is only Kendrick and Keem could do that. Like Drake couldn't make hillbillies, you know what I'm saying? Because if if Drake made hillbillies, we all be looking at him crazy. But since it's Kendrick and Keem, it's like it's fine, you know. Like that's kind of it complements their style already. So yeah, true. Yeah, that's true. true. For for you, say my final expectations for the the reason album uh, before next Friday. Uh, no expectations because if can't I go get expectations, yeah. yeah. But I do love the message, the video that he dropped. Uh, oh, that trailer was A couple was days ago, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm excited about the message. Yeah. So. The last album, he had a dope message navigating through the, the industry, him getting signed, whatever. But this message, I think, is going to be more profound. I think, because like I said, I think he's going to be the, he's going to be the face of TDE. So oh, I think yeah. it's more so him be. gearing up to be like Kendrick, because the message, I think the message is going to be strong with this one. You know what? I know this person is not like a rapper. If SZA wanted to take over the music industry, like we talk about the Drizzy, the Drake era, SZA could have her own era, but she's just not going to drop frequently. Like SZA really could I'm, have. Yeah. She, I don't if she, why. That's what I'm saying. She could really take over because that SOS album is phenomenal. Like she is too yeah. Yeah. Like she can. Still, she can go on a run. On repeat. She could yeah. go on a run. I mean, she. I don't know. It's so hard to kind of. I guess like when you think about like let's say like Beyonce had an era, right? I mean, she's still Beyonce, right? Yeah. Um. It's hard to kind of compare, I guess, Drake and SZA and like. In terms of like whether they can have an era at the same time or not, I do think like SZA is like is like a huge star in this industry today. You know what I'm saying? And I think she's as big, if not like headed in that direction as like a Drake or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Um, just based off of like star power, I think, um, and influence. And like obviously, she like killed it on the Travis Scott. Oh my god, um, exploded. The vocals were mixed terrible, but like we're not gonna talk about that. Like we're not gonna talk about that. But um, yeah, I don't it's know. Like Shanti like, said, Shanti said it could have been mixed a little better. Yeah. But I'm not. I'm not gonna say anything. It's still says it. Yeah, bro. <laughs> All that money they spent, man, they couldn't tone down her vocals a little bit. But nah, I think that's just like her style too. Like it, it probably just popped out from her engineers worked on it. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like I feel like she could definitely. I don't know, it's, it's it's really hard to compare someone to Drake though. 
the run that he had, you know, mm-hmm. from like 2008 plus, you know, like it's it's hard to kind of talk that. You look at the tour that he's doing, that man, he can go for four or five hours. Just like, just, I got songs for days. Bruh. Bro, it's not even, it's, like, it's just crazy. <laughs> Bruh. <laughs> I think that's one thing Drake is really good at is doing the tours, man. The energy he's able to yeah, he bring loves and just that's what like, he loves. Showman, that's what he yeah. loves nowadays. Yeah, dude. Like, and he even like money too, just too. seeing just, just seeing yeah, his Instagram, that's generational like, wealth. That's generational. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying, bro. It just sound yeah. like, bro. I want to go so bad, but them tickets. Man, expensive. I want to go. Bro, what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I see you on Instagram, brother. Yeah, <laughs> uh, exactly. Exactly, bro. I see a new clip every every week. every then, day, bro. And then that that one girl that threw the, bro. Oh she's yeah, like a whole, she's like a whole Playboy model now, bro. The, the power of Drake the to Drake make is insane. Man, it's real. The Drake, it's bro, insane. It's insane. Change your whole life dude. in one day, <laughs> bro. He bro. changed so many careers, bro. Like literally, bro. Man, yep. little Crazy, baby man. would not be where he is today if what's going on Drake on that song. Facts. Oh. It's facts. It's crazy. That bro. Drake, Drake the goat, bro. Drake the goat at overall, but oh, Nas yeah, yeah. is goat lyrically. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, and now get into our last single with Snow Leopard, Sweet Tea. Um, in her latest single with the song being kind of powered by a- a- atmosphere production and therapeutic vocals. I mean, she is still putting out smooth quality music. Um, just an amazing voice, and, and her gearing up for her next project is going to be another interesting album. Uh, to you, Maurice, like, like, what did you think about this song and just? what she's able to do consistently with the last single she's put out and, you know, her direct, you know, her thought process and direction going forward. Yeah. I actually like sweet tea better than the other song that uh, she put out last as well. Um, Yeah. It just, it's just like, I don't know. She's so solid. Um, She like the direction of her music. um, I feel like I could just listen on repeat over and over again. Obviously there's like a lot of sample uh, sample, availability i guess is the right word to use um because she's just so talented with like her, her yeah. singing and, and then the production on her vocals and the and, and the music behind the scenes so yeah I, I really like that track and i'm really excited for for the project to come definitely uh so you say what were your thoughts on it because obviously we're, we're both big uh snow lover fans we, we mentioned uh her music in the past different reviews like what, what have you thought about the, this single and you know what she's um what her album you know might sound like and just what she what she consistently does because we know what we're going to get from her and it's going to be high quality throughout yeah she's so consistent as an artist and to this day i've never heard anybody that sounds like her she has mm-hmm. her own unique sound and you can't get i can't get tired of it i still listen to her, her the, the one album when she got so many bangers on there and then she's so versatile I mean, her live is even amazing, yes. more amazing than just the, the regular album. So I know she's going to be consistent. I know she, she's going to give the audience, her viewership, her listeners what they want. Is similar to the, the last album. I wouldn't mind it. It was the same format, but just obviously different songs and a little bit tweaked the production. But I, I'm, I'm she's like one of the artists I'm okay with if she she does the same thing over and over. Yeah, just yeah. keep doing it. Keep doing yeah. what you're doing. <laughs> just do what you because her voice yeah. is so unique yeah. and you don't hear it. And she doesn't drop as much, but when she does and when she does music, you just like, come on, just drop. I wish you would drop every day. I wish you'd be like Russ. <laughs> Russ used to drop Yo, every, every day. Oh my gosh, bro. <laughs> it's a oh. sticky sound though for sure. It's just a sticky sound. Yeah, it's it's she's yeah, it's just beautiful. And then I mean she's beautiful too. That yeah. that plays a role too. 
Um, but I do like the cover art, the sweet tea, the concept of the song, and then it's just you get lost in it. You get lost yeah. in this track. It's it's a beautiful tone. Yeah. Have either of you heard uh the latest Georgia Georgia Smith singles? Yeah. Uh actually were they like the live ones or the were there new singles? I don't know if I've the, actually heard the Go 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 was the last one she dropped Wednesday. Let's see. Oh no, she, I didn't know. She also did to try me. She also did try me and um We reviewed okay. one of them. Didn't yeah, we? I think we reviewed Try Me, yeah. And yeah, Little Try things. Me I liked. Yeah, Little Things. Because she's dropping in September, since I think September 29th. Okay, yeah. 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 Falling for falling or flying. Yeah. I'm still not over it. You know what I mean? You did my boy wrong. It's okay though. Who, Jizzy? You're never going to let that go. <laughs> you did my boy wrong. But no, nah, like, some of her tracks is just like, because I would have never known her if it wasn't for who. That's true. That's true. Hey, you get your, oh, your, man. Like, yeah. So, um. Georgia and nah, 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 I'd be done wrong by Georgia any day. I'm not going to lie. Hey, I'll wish you. <laughs> Two thumbs up. Did it over text. Did it over text. You didn't even call me. Come hey, on. Hey, my, my but it's funny. How did people realize that he was talking about her? I mean, he named the interlude after her, right? Did he? Yeah. Yeah, it was called Jordan's interlude. No, I'm talking about Jaden. Like, no, oh, I'm talking about Jaden. Oh, oh, it's not that, bro. I know that. <laughs> I'm not dumb. <laughs> I mean, he's saying like, like, no, <laughs> Talk about Jaded, okay? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jaded, yeah, yeah. Talk about Jaded. That one, that one. That one. He was like, yeah, he named it oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You judge me a little bit. It's okay, though. <laughs> but when he said, I want to be around when you're chasing, like, you want to hit me up when you made it, like, that made people think, okay, she's still on the rise. Oh, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, hey, like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like she she has her own appeal now though. Like she, I feel like people stuck around just for her talent, you know. Yeah, yeah. She um, has a beautiful voice too. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna. But take I didn't know she break. was from. Oh, sorry. <laughs> go, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> cook. <Sam. laughs> no, it's not, let it's him not cook. This. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. Go ahead, man, bro. No, what were you about, were you about to say? I'm, no, I'm it was no, nothing. Just... <laughs> it was just I didn't know you were about to just end it because she was like, "We're gonna." I was like, "Oh, I thought we were still talking." I'm sorry. No, I didn't think she was from over. You know, her, she had an accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah I thought because yeah. when she sings, she sounded like a normal person, and then she started talking she to like uh, Peppa Pig. <laughs> Girl, I thought you were from Baltimore or something. George Smith from Baltimore. <laughs> Coming live. <laughs> Ain't that a Baltimore name, man? <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with our Oppenheimer review. Welcome back to the show. Now we're getting into our Oppenheimer review. And to start the overview, Oppenheimer is a 2023 biographical drama film written and directed by Christopher Nolan. The film chronicles the life of American uh, theoretical physicist and polymath uh, J. Robert Oppenheimer. It stars Celine Murphy as Oppenheimer and Robert Downey Jr. as Strauss with the remain, remaining ensemble supporting cast, including Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Florence Pugh, Rami Malek, and Kenneth Branagh. Had a budget of $100 million and brought in $405.6 million to the box office. Um, it also had a 93% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, you start off with it. I mean, this has obviously been, you know, talk of the summer along <laughs> along with Barbie, uh, with those with those two movies going head to head. But what were your initial thoughts on this being just, you know, another um, engrossing achievement from from Christopher Nolan, stunning visuals and, and Cillian Murphy to me really having like the defining role of his career? Yeah, 
Nah, this is definitely, I feel like, one of uh, Selena Murphy's biggest movies or biggest roles yet today. Yeah. Um. Also, I didn't know it was 93. I thought it was 96 on Rotten Tomatoes. Did it go oh, down really? a little bit? I yeah, think it yeah. did, yeah. Okay, yeah, when it first Sometimes came out, I, I know... the audience score yeah. brings it down. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, three hours, nah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I thought when it came out, it was 96, and then it, it must... And Barbie was 93, and then they, they probably okay. went down. Um, but yeah, nah, dude. So initial thoughts, just like I will say, I uh, from Christopher Nolan, like this was not a very Christopher Nolan film, if that makes sense. Like it still yeah, felt like Christopher Nolan was directing it, you can tell. But this is so like different than all his other movies, you know what I'm saying? Um, so when watching it through, you know. It, it just felt so different, but it was still super good at the same time. It's so different than anything he's done. And you can tell he has this like touch on it. But yeah, this movie was just like, it had me like, like engaged the entire time. And I think that's like the power of like Christopher Nolan movies is he has you engaged the entire time. He has you strapped in. The soundtrack is going to be amazing as always. You know what I'm saying? I don't think Hans Zimmer was on this soundtrack, but like, you know. That was a first. I yeah. was at first because he's usually always a black. I expect Hans Zimmer to hear Hans Zimmer on a Christopher Nolan film. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, the soundtrack was still good regardless. And yeah, I was just strapped in the whole time, uh, engaged with, with the the message in the film. And, you know, I think the interesting thing to me was, you know, one thing I, I, I wanted more from the movie was kind of like diving into the effects of like, um, like the actual effect of, of like creating you know the a nuclear weapon and having to yeah. deal with the, the aftermath of that the specifics i feel like yeah i feel like it was more political than the physical or the the psychologically aspect of it and he had like little blips of like psychological like trauma that that he showed and like that kind of effect and i thought that was really cool and i thought that they were going to really dive into that more than like the political aspect of it but I will say the political aspect of it was done really well. And yeah. that story kind of kept me engaged like this in the entire time. So beautiful movie. I just wish the the psychological aspect of it was explored a little bit more. Yeah, that, that's a really good point because the first two hours are like super intense. It's full throttle. They're going for it. And yeah. the last hour turns more into like a courtroom drama Um, after like the high of the two hours, like, do you feel as though with a movie like that, there had to be, because some people said that after the first two hours, the movie could have ended and you got yeah. it right there. Like it really could have just been a two hour film. But do you think mm. that last hour with the the courtroom drama effect was the reason Nolan felt he had to like maybe expand the time and the length of the film? Yeah, I think it was necessary in my opinion. Like, yeah, they could have ended the movie, but then it would have been, you know, yeah, it would have been like, dang, that's it, you know? I feel like the story of it is more so, like I said, like I was expecting the kind of psychological, you know, thing to be brought out. But what really was brought out, what made it interesting was that kind of political battle going on. And man, like Robert Downey Jr. just like absolutely oh killed the role. Like, like, like he... He said I, that was the best. To even, yeah. He said that was the best movie experience he's ever been a part of. Yeah. Like, dude, like, I mean, it took me a while to even know that it was Robert Downey Jr. At first, I was like, oh, whoa, that, that's that's him, you know? Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're so used to him playing, like, hero roles or, like, you know, the main person. But, yeah, for him to, like, take a step back and play, like, uh, almost a villainous character 
um was, was very interesting but yeah I, I think it's a beautiful movie overall i do think that kind of last leg of an hour was necessary and i think it like wrapped up the movie like really well yeah for sure um and now getting to our first topic from one to four stars what would you give it um you know i, I would go with four because i feel as though this is a complete spectacle and the film in totality is, is so dense but ambitious and complex at the same time like this is one of those three-hour films I, I went to go see it twice i didn't lose interest even the second time i saw because i'm like yeah this is a long film but you've really got to have all the right meters and 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 storyline factors to like string it together and they they he put it perfectly i know i put it perfectly um um together like what what would be your particular rating from one of four stars yeah, dude. I think I'm gonna give it a four as well, just cause like I was, like I said, I was captivated from the beginning. There wasn't a single moment where I was like, despite the time, you know, how long the movie was, I, I still felt captivated the entire time, and was just so eager to see like where where the film went next, you know. Um, and just like the cinematography was good, the music was good. Like I was just really like enthralled the whole time. So yeah, I'm gonna give it a four as well. Definitely. Um, and, and do you think like we always for, all, for Christopher Nolan films that, that we've done in the past on this show, we've always talked about why the cast is so important. Like, what do you think makes Nolan just a master at knowing what cast to put together? Because this was a one of those films, like, you're like, man, you see everybody throughout this. I mean, like, yeah. Robert Downey Jr., Matt Damon, he brings back Matt Damon. Like, yeah. he is always bringing the heavy hitters. Like, what do you think gives him that ability to just always spot, okay, this guy needs to be here, this, you know, this lady needs to be in this spot? I think he just really knows kind of like the effect that the actors and actresses have on a movie, like what they bring to the table in terms of like their unique ability to act and like to bring the character out, certain characters out, Um, you know, like he knew like, like Matt Damon being like the kind of police officer, like he's played those kind of roles in the past, right? You know, Uh, the kind of appeal that Florence Pugh has and like, obviously, uh, what's her name? Uh, Emily Blunt, you know. Emily Blunt, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. They kind of she, they, he, Christopher Nolan knows the kind of appeal they have to kind of bring like that out of like a female character, and so like I, I think he just he's a mastermind at knowing like kind of like what those what they bring to the table in that, that sense, and then he's able to kind of like kind of like cultivate an experience based on that. Um, it's it's kind of similar to just like how you know you're curating like a music experience you're bringing certain artists yeah. on to kind of very similar sound it's very similar with like directing and bringing the right cast to a to a movie definitely um and now getting to, to our next topic with favorite character um i, I would go with, with leslie as he, he always wanted to go w- with the best and knew that oppenheimer was the man for the job um even during the security hearing he was one of the few people that defended oppenheimer's character um i mean Obviously, we can mention Oppenheimer as, as one of those characters, but I think when you look at the supporting cast, like Leslie, he brought a different energy into that film. Like him and Oppenheimer, they went, they were, they went toe to toe, head to head, like many times disagreeing, but at the end of the day, like they both saw each other's vision and knew yeah. why each other, you know, had the objective and, and um and, and just stance that they that they took. Like to you overall, um, who was your favorite character? I would say Strauss, just because, and I think Strauss was Robert Downey Jr. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I would say Strauss just because you know he felt like the mastermind behind like all the political like stunnery going on, and just kind of like he was like the main driving force, also to kind of encourage Oppenheimer to kind of really like 
you know, have his idea and like, you know, be the one that was in, be the one to make the, you know, like the, the whole point of the movie too was kind of like there's this kind of ego battle going on between them two oh, to yeah. kind of be the one to originate the idea. And so like, you know, without Strauss, you know, who knows if Oppenheimer would have kind of like been driven to even create the bomb, you know, in the first place, you know. So there's a lot of like push and pull going on with Strauss and, and, and Oppenheimer. And so I really kind of like that he was able to bring that that out of Oppenheimer um, as, as like the character in the, in the, in the show. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and, and now getting to our next, um, next topic, most memorable scenes. I had um, Oppenheimer studying physics at Cambridge. Also um, Oppenheimer meeting Heisenberg, uh, the Manha- Manhattan Project beginning. Uh, Trinity test, obviously one of the biggest scenes where uh, the nuclear weapon test occurred. Oppenheimer meeting with President Truman. Um, Strauss recruiting Oppenheimer to Princeton. Uh, Truman approving the hydrogen bomb development. Oppenheimer security clearance hearing, Strauss's Senate hearing, Oppenheimer receiving the award from uh, President Lyndon Johnson. That is probably the most memorable scenes I've ever oh, yeah. <laughs> included in a review because there were just so many, good, yeah. so many good ones. But, but but to you, the training test obviously that one stands out so much. Is that's yeah. that's the moment you know what's going to happen. But you even I was tense in the movie when it was yeah. about it, like when they were about to like test it and do the countdown. Yeah. It just was one of those. Uh, really tense moments like to you what were some of the memorable scenes or maybe like you know one stand out yeah definitely i would say mainly the that scene the the test scene uh also like you said the 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 scene with the president um um and also i think i, I think you might have probably said this as well but kind of like the interrogation room that whole oh, yeah. dynamic um i think that's probably like my favorite aspect of the film is just like them constantly bringing it back to that um i think also um him being with Einstein uh, throughout the movie, like, like those scenes where he was interacting Pivotal with Einstein. Conversations. Yeah, yeah, like those conversations were really important. Um, so yeah, I would say those those kind of those kind of scenes are the ones that got me. Um, I mean, obviously they have like uh, that. I felt like there was so there was some unnecessary like scenes with like Florence Pugh. Like she was in the movie like five minutes, bro, and every time she was like naked and just like what did you know you i'm like, like that was I'm, I'm gonna be honest like i've never seen nolan put those types of scenes in a movie it almost I'll, felt as though like nolan that maybe was the reason why it was rated r because yeah, people bro. were saying like yo we had this this had to be censored a certain way we've never yeah. seen nolan like like how much did that surprise you because we've never seen nolan go that route yeah it just i feel like it doesn't add much to the movie in terms of like the only we thing we know he was a num- we know we know he was a womanizer. Yeah. Like it didn't. <laughs> yeah, like that. And that, I guess that was what they were trying to paint the picture of was that you know he was a womanizer and and he he had he he had that dog in him. You know what I'm saying? Like like I, I don't know what bro. Like the I don't know. It just kind of made it more real <laughs> that like he he was really that. It, it, I think one of the like the favorite parts of it was that like bro, everybody was telling this man like yo, you are that guy. You're the only one that can figure it. Like, imagine being told that. That gets to your like, head. That gets yeah, head. dude. It has to get to your head. Then you start, like, you know, getting all these women and all this stuff. So I think I think it was necessary for that aspect of the movie, I guess, in, in terms of, like, painting You really thought he was him. him being you really like thought that. he was yeah, him. Yeah. And he yeah, was. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, literally, literally. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and, and another thing, like, it's interesting because the – the opening scenes we we I talk about this all the time. The opening scenes of Nolan films are always like just spectacles, 
um, they're they're very important. Like, what did you think about this opening scene? Like, do you think like do you think it measured up to like some of the past ones he's had? Because he's obviously had better opening scenes like Dark Knight, um, Inception. Uh, you know, th- th- there's so many the Prestige. There's so many movies you can count to. Like, but what did you think about how the movie opened and just you know how we got 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 things running? Honestly, I think he did a good job of getting people engaged uh, and just like the science behind like the explosion and stuff and and just kind of like getting people just like reeled in right away you know like yeah it wasn't as captivating like character wise and like action wise but like more so just like the premise of the movie wise and like kind of exploring that and that's why i really thought that after the opening scene i really thought that they were gonna because like like, there were several parts in the movie where there was like these blips of like going back to kind of like the, the explosion and the like, like the chemistry behind the explosion. So I thought that they were really going to tie that into like the psychological aspect of the film and kind of like his struggle and like hearing that and, and watching all these people die on the news and hearing about it. One, one, one of my friends made a really good point about it was actually that Christopher Nolan did that on purpose because, you know, when Oppenheimer made the bomb and he, he was awaiting the news for... For, for whether how many people are killed, blah, blah, blah. We know just as much as him. He didn't know, like, everything that was going on, you know? And so it was, like, a creative decision for, like, uh, for Christopher Nolan to not kind of show the effects of, of the bomb and, and, like, what it actually, like, how much damage it actually did. Because we know just as much as Oppenheimer. And the movie's not about, like, the actual explosion and the aftermath. It's more about the, the build-up to you know that yeah. part in the political yeah. yeah you know so but yeah i think i think it did a good job of just getting people reeled in you know absolutely um and now getting into most memorable quotes i had and now i am become death destroyer of worlds from oppenheimer um also power stays in the shadows from, from strauss uh they won't fear it until they understand it from oppenheimer uh why won't you fight from kitty uh we're not convicting convicting just denying from strauss and then um also, you don't get to commit sin and then ask for all of us to feel sorry for, for you when there are consequences from Kitty. And then finally, um, I believe we did from, from Oppenheimer. Uh, to, to you, what were some of the memorable quotes uh, that you kind of felt were, were standouts in this one? Yeah, dude, I think the most memorable one is, I mean, obviously you have the now I've, I've become dead at the show world. Yeah. So that whole scene was like crazy. Uh, it, it got a lot of controversy too, because I think they're reading it from the Quran or something, I think. Oh, I'm yeah, sure. that's true. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to get canceled, but not just getting out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, 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 I'm just kidding. Um, I think, like... I think it's uh, the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jesus said what? Nah. Um, but, yeah, uh, the other one I think that really stuck out to me was you don't get to commit sin and then ask Man. all of us to feel sorry for you when there that are consequences. I think that one was like, whoa. Like, yeah, you're that guy and you have to do this, but you can't, like, we're not going to feel sorry for you because, like, you, this is like the the sacrifice you're making for being like that that guy, you know what I'm saying? Um, so so I think that was probably the the number one that that stuck out to me the most. Definitely. Um, and now getting to kind of like what did you like the most about the storyline? Um, to me, just you know, how it focused on um, obsessive individuals pursuing an idea until it destroys them, I thought was really fascinating because. Almost everybody in this movie was was chasing something. They were pursuing um, a particular objective, and it, it it nearly ruined some people. And obviously, with, with what happened with Oppenheimer at the end, 
being stripped of certain security clearances and Shrouds being deducted in, in, a, in a power rank that that was obviously the result. But to you, what particular element of the storyline you kind of like the most? Um, I think I, it just kind of goes back to the whole uh, alternative story going on in the background, which is kind of like the political drama of everything. Um, I, I, that really captivated me, um, especially in the end when it like really is brought out. Because at first you're you're kind of brought in, and when you're first introduced to kind of this whole like court hearing, you don't really understand what exactly is happening, um, until like it just starts like getting deeper and deeper into the story, and like all this all the drama is happening, um, you know. I, and I think that's probably like the most important thing about the story that I like. But I think you know, once again, just kind of wishing that there was more emphasis on like the actual effects of the bomb and 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 um. And how it affected Oppenheimer, like psychologically, I think that would have been really important, especially because you also had like the scene where um, the other girl who, who Florence Pugh plays—I forgot the name of her character—but where she like kills herself, or, or was she killed, or was she, did she kill herself? I forgot. I think she what killed happened. herself. Yeah. So like you know, like like that obviously will have a psychological effect. Uh, you know, it was something that you were seeing like like while you were married to to Kitty, you know. And then you're also like dealing with all the pressure to kind of build this bomb as well. So I, I wish I would have seen more of, of that kind of explored. But otherwise, like I think a solid storyline altogether. Definitely. Um, and, and before we move on, I mean, we have to mention the phenomenon of of two movies, <laughs> like major movies dropping on the same day with Barbie and Oppenheimer. Like obviously you, you saw it. I still haven't seen it. Like in terms of the spectacle of two films like that, completely contrasting. It's got everybody's attention, obviously, the, the Barbenheimer marketing and different things yeah. like that. And just like, which which one are you going to see? Are you going to see both? Are you going to do like a double feature type thing? Like, what have you thought about the phenomenon and just, you know, what it's done for both movies? Because obviously, they're completely in two different fields. Yeah. But it, it's it's brought a lot of different energy. Bro, it's actually crazy. You know, you kind of think, think about how they both kind of attached on to each other. You know, obviously, Oppenheimer, uh, Barbie... More people saw it because I think it has a wider range of audience that, of people that want to see it. Also, it's not a three-hour movie, so like you know, <laughs> more helps. people will be willing to see it. You, you know, but I think like I think like this whole the whole marketing campaign is insane. Like especially for Barbie, they had like I was literally at like this bar and they have like Barbie themed drinks and stuff like that. It's like, bro, like who's paying you to make these drinks? You know what I'm saying? Like what average like. Are they getting advertisement from this? Like, dude, I'm telling you, it's crazy, dude. Um, but yeah, I think they both kind of attached on to each other, and like, it became this really cool phenomenon. And you know, it, it was kind of just exciting to see a double feature. I haven't yeah. done that in so long, uh, and it just it makes you more excited to kind of uh, see the two, even though you know they're not comparable at all in terms of like what they're about and stuff. It just it, it kind of just gets you excited for both and puts you in the right mood to kind of. Uh, separately but equally absorb both if that makes sense so wait did you see oppenheimer first and then barbie did you do barbie then Oppenheimer? we saw oppenheimer first then barbie because oh, we're that's like like getting out of like a 12 round fight you're like <laughs> oh man i gotta record <laughs> literally that's why we were like all right we gotta barbie has to be on the up the up end of that because barbie there was like super low expectations for barbie you know like it's yeah. like what what, what? What could this possibly be about that I have to like pay attention to as much as like if 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 we saw Oppenheimer second, it would be like you're gonna be locked in for three hours. It's already late. You already saw a movie, and you're not gonna pay as close attention. So Barbie yeah. was definitely 
had to be number two for me. Is this hour two? Is this like three? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, (laughs) I'm just thinking about Barbie still, you know, like, yeah, you know. Um, now getting to our last topic, uh, 10 years from now, like, do you still think will be watchful and intriguing? Um, obviously, this is a very early uh, to talk about it, but I definitely think it will. I mean, it's a it's a spectacle in every sense of the word. Um, it's rare for us to get three-hour movies that can keep your attention from start to finish. And this casting, I know we've said it countless times, but this casting is some of the best we've seen in a while. Um, just, just a level throughout. But, like, how do you think this movie will age um, another decade from now? I know it's early, but, but what are your initial thoughts with that? Nah, yeah, I, I definitely think it's aging. It's gonna age well. Uh, I I actually haven't seen it the second time. I really want to, but um, yeah, dude, I think I think like like you said, it's so captivating and it keeps you drawn in that, that like in ten years, like someone could rewatch this and be equally as like captivated as they did the first time when they like you know what's gonna happen next. You know, obviously it's a long movie, so they're not gonna remember every single scene. You know what I'm saying? Um, they'll just remember the kind of like the build up to the end. You know. Um, and just to be able to re-experience that in 10 years, I think will be awesome, you know? So I think it definitely has replay value. It definitely has like show my kids energy, you know? So, so it's it's definitely like kind of a exciting phenomenon. Yeah, for sure. And before we close out, I mean, this is also sparked. Nolan's catalog is so deep, man. Like it's just, he's, he's got such a deep catalog at this point and with what he's done and people have gone through like, man, what are your top three favorite uh, Christopher Nolan movies. Um, I- I've always kind of had the similar ranking, but The Dark Knight, Inception, and and, and The Prestige are like three of my mm. like go-tos. Um, Interstellar yeah. is, is still a long movie, but phenomenal. Um, yeah. Memento as well. Like re- so many you can just mention and go back to. But but to you, are there like any three particular ones that you say like, man, these are the, the main ones I- I'd go back to? Yeah, I, I would agree. I think Inception up there, number one movie. Like you know, um, I think I I think I put Dark Knight up there as well. That that's like, it's the whole Classic. trilogy is insane. Like, um, so I would say Inception, Dark one of the Knight. best superhero yes. trilogies. <laughs> yes, dude, literally. I I think I still put. I would say I put Interstellar over Memento. Um, okay. Just, just a because lot of, people, of the, a lot of people like Interstellar, a lot of people yeah. like Interstellar. Yeah, that's and that's literally why. Like I, I to me, like Interstellar was a really good movie. Um, I, I never really put it in my top movies of all time, but I can't deny the effect that it had, like, like the soundtrack, yeah. the the impact, and like how well received it was. Matthew McConaughey, everyone. Matthew McConaughey, Jim yeah, Ryan, yeah, Ryan. exactly. <laughs> 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 exactly so you know like it's definitely like a cultural phenomenon um and so it's just like the amount of like uh just clout that christopher nolan has in his movies is just like insane you know like you know so i'm i'm just excited for the next one you know like it's, it's how do you he's think one he's of them gonna... directors you know yeah it's just always the next like he's one of those like can't wait to see what he does next but like how do you yeah. think he's gonna could carry on another because we always mention like you know even we can translate with artists like how do you go on another decade run like how can you keep it going yeah. like like how do you think he's gonna di- diversify because we he has different he has the action he has the historical he has mm-hmm. the psychological the thriller like he has different categories like how how do you think he's gonna diversify his set going forward hey man maybe we'll get a romance movie from him i don't know <laughs> i'm calm, uh, I'm calm. <laughs> that would be a, that would be uh that would be geez. interesting 
Oh man, this is just explosions from like love or something. I don't know, but he'll find some some way to get explosives in there. But dude, yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. I think he's just a very unique storyteller. I think that's like his key, right? Yes. Every movie he has, there's just like this unique element, and that's why I said I feel like Oppenheimer is so different because since it is like a historical, you know, documentation of the events, uh, or like uh, the representation of a historical documentation. You know, it's not all 100% accurate, but, like, um, since it was more of this documentary style, it was harder to kind of bring a unique story to that element. But he still told this story in, in a unique way that, like, no other documentary has, like, told the story. Or not this specific story, but just stories in general about history. Um, but, yeah, I think he's just a really good storyteller, and he always finds unique ways uh, to tell, like, stories that haven't been told, basically. Definitely, man. Well, and I obviously, like you said, can't wait to see what he does next. It might be, it might be a romp explosions, explosions from love. <laughs> that would be a fire. <laughs> that would be interesting. Inside. <laughs> oh man, dude, it'd be like a crazy rom com, crazy rom com comedy right there. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like the Drake at- meme, uh, <laughs> the combination. You know, like <laughs> combination. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That whole movie's gonna, Is it gonna be rom com right or psychological? Yeah, combination. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh yeah. man, uh, well, Maurice has been an absolute pleasure as always, man. And thank you so much for being on. Who knows? You might be back in a couple a couple of weeks if if, uh, if another big name artist drops another album. <laughs> that, that, that for for the dogs, man. The for dogs. The dogs. The dogs. <laughs> <laughs> well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm your host, Wendell Burns. This has been Full Scope. See you later. <laughs>